facing for the first time in 39 years. The Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Hello and welcome back to the Brady Bros Boston Sports Podcast where we cover everything in the Boston sports world. My name is James Brady and alongside me is my brother Nicholas. Say hello. Hello everybody. Today is Thursday. Yes, we finally got back on schedule. Thursday, February 14th and we're on episode 18 today. Yeah, we're actually maybe close to being consistent again and on being on Thursdays and uploading on Fridays, but who knows? But let's kick the show off the way we always do with the 2018 World Series champion Boston Red Sox and more, you know, spring training stuff kind of getting underway this week. So very, very exciting. Back. No more drought. Teams officially reported for spring training this week, along with uh, your pitchers and catchers from the Boston Red Sox. And that actually leads us into. Kind of our first first thing here uh, in regards to pitchers is, you know, the closer situation with the Red Sox. You know, we're, we're finally at spring training now. Uh, I, you know, Kimbrell still hasn't been signed. And really, it, it seems like it's been a really tough free agent market this, uh, this offseason for, for, you know, some pretty big name players out there. So he's still out there. But um, there was an article that came out on NBC Sports. And it has basically Cora and uh, Dave Dombrowski saying that a closer for the Red Sox is likely to come with from within the team already this season. So we're looking at guys like Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Tyler Thornburg, you know, those guys that really stepped up in the postseason last year to potentially take over this uh, this very important role. Yeah, and I think it'll be good seeing and like working with what they have within the organization already. I agree with not going big on a closer. Obviously, we'd have to shut a ton of money if we wanted to land Craig Kimbrell. And although we've said that, you know, the more that time goes on and he doesn't get signed, the more likely he is to end up in Boston again. These comments kind of make me think this might be the end of, of Kimbrell's ride in Boston. And he might just kind of have to sit out a season because no one wants to pick him up. So... I think we're going to see some kind of some very last minute deals. And I think a lot of players, big name players, uh, you know, Machado and Harper come to mind are not going to be happy about the way this offseason went. Yeah, I think people went in with very high expectations of monster contracts, you know, the the biggest deals in, in the history of the game. And we really haven't seen that. We're two weeks away from... I mean, ideally, these these players choosing where they're going to play for at very least the next year. Uh, and we, we really just haven't seen what a lot of people predicted we would see this offseason, which has been a little bit disappointing just as a fan of baseball. But at the same time, it's kind of ridiculous when you hear about uh, just the, some of the offers that these people thought they were going to get this offseason. 
Yeah, it seems like every year we get, you know, those record-setting contracts, no matter if it's just all sports overall, if it's basketball, baseball, the two that really come to mind there with, um, you know, such big contracts. Uh, and it, and we really didn't see it this offseason. You know, like you said, there was potential for it, and it just it kind of never happened. But I think enough, enough talk about the free agent market because I don't think we're quite done there yet, and it's probably something we'll come back to again before the regular season starts. Uh, let's kind of segue into our next story. And that is uh, Alex Bregman actually made some comments uh, within the last week about how Boston is the, the team he wants to beat the most this season. You know, that makes a lot of sense uh, considering we, we took them in five games last year in the uh, divisional, no, the championship round i guess or the al championship round and it seems like he was kind of you know trying to stir up some sort of rivalry almost um but alex cora kind of just you know pushed the comments aside said i'm not going to react to that one and it seems like he's pretty focused on spring training here so just you know some interesting comments there and it'll be it'll be fun to see what comes out of it uh this year and i believe the first the first time the red sox and astros meet is may 17th so we do have uh quite a few months until then we'll just have to see what happens i guess now i'm, I'm gonna say i'm a little disappointed in cora with you know the real belichick like i'm just not gonna react i don't have human emotions uh take on everything but you know i'm gonna say i like bregman's move here i want to see some beef between the houston astros and the boston red sox we hate the yankees if we hate the Astros, it just makes baseball more exciting when two teams just step into a ballpark and there is just the tension there. And I mean, it hasn't been as much recently with the Yankees and Red Sox like it used to be, where every time these two got in the ballpark, you'd expect a fight to break out at some point. But I mean, I think it just brings something extra and, you know, you don't see fights that often in the MLB, but when they happen, especially with a team like Boston and just the atmosphere of playing in Boston and the the uh, the fan base that we have, kind of makes for a, a cool experience. Uh, just seeing Boston get just rallying behind their team, and you know what? I think it makes it more exciting. So bring it on, Alex Bregman. We'll take you out in five again this season. Bold prediction there. Uh, but yeah, I have to agree with you. The whole rivalry thing really, really makes it more interesting, like you said. And, you know, part of the reason I wanted, I, you know, I'm kind of hoping Machado signs with the Yankees because just combine two things we already hate and it's just one thing we hate more. So that could lead to some interesting stuff. But again, we will just have to see. Yeah, and the last little piece of information we have here is that uh, I think this just came out today or yesterday is that David Price changed his number from 24 to the number 10 for this year. And James, you were reading this before we uh, actually hit record here. Maybe you can take us through what kind of seemed to be the speculation or did you decide that that just wasn't true? I mean, this is the closest thing we have to an explanation, but at the same time, I'm not really 100% sure I trust it. Uh, it just it came from someone's Twitter. I think they were verified, so it it holds like a little bit of weight to it. Um, but I'm not one. I I still am not 100 percent sure because this kind of just seemed random. But 
basically what this person said was that David Price changed his number to number 10 due to his son's name being uh, Xavier and X representing, you know, obviously being the Roman numeral for 10. I don't know. I like the move, though, changing the number because it seemed like almost like a fresh start. You know, he finally reconciled himself in the postseason last year, actually pitching well uh, for the first time in the postseason in his career. And I think, you know, if he wanted to make a change, kind of come to terms and, you know, finish strong on the number 24 and then switch it to 10. And I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm looking too into this, but. I, I don't I think it's exciting. Yeah, and I mean, really, there at the end, there might not be any real significance behind it because he he didn't make a comment as to why he did it. So I think he kind of just wants to like keep people guessing, sort of thing. Um, but that pretty much wraps up the Red Sox. We are you know less than a week away from a full squad workout. I believe the first full squad is Monday. They have on the schedule, so you know. We'll have even more news going forward here in in no time, uh, in well in no time in two weeks time we'll be into games. So if you're a baseball fan, you you just gotta wait one more week and you can finally you know turn on your television every night and see a baseball game being played. Uh, let's segue into the next segment today in sports history. Uh, we got a hockey one here today actually, and this one caught me by surprise. Uh, but it was a very long time ago, so you know this kind of makes sense. But on this date, February fourteenth in nineteen nope eighteen ninety six, the Stanley Cup was actually played, and the Winnipeg Victorias beat the Montreal Victorias. Yes, I read that correctly, two to nothing. So just a very uh, kind of a lackluster fact today. Unfortunately, that's pretty much the best thing I could find. Not a lot going on in sports history today it seems and moving on from that we are going to transition as we always do to the boston celtics and real quick i will run through just the scores of the last couple games and then if we want to go more in depth on each of these let's do that but i think that's a good idea there's a lot to talk about from each game here going through saturday the 9th of february against the la clippers a very disappointing loss 123 to 112 uh, Tuesday, the 12th at Philadelphia, big, big team win, uh, you know, without Kyrie. And once again, we can get into all of this later, 112 to 109 against, you know, obviously a very close contender, uh, in the East and, you know, Wednesday, yesterday, the 13th versus the Pistons, a 118 to 110 victory. And now if we want to go through and kind of break down each of these games, Yeah, so the Clippers game was an interesting one because we went from uh, a season-high 74 points at halftime, which is, like I said, the most they've scored in, I believe, in any half in all year. And then to, I think, what was then their worst half all season, um, you know, scoring the rest of their points. I think it's 49 is what it comes out to. Uh, And... You know, just a, a, like you said, a real disappointing loss because they were up by as many as 28, I believe, at some points in the game or 18 or something like that. Uh, you know, a, just a huge margin there. And to kind of fall apart in the second half was not not encouraging to see. Kyrie did leave the game in the second quarter, I believe. 
with a right knee, well, what is now come to light as a right knee sprain. Um, very lucky it wasn't anything more than that. Kyrie actually posted 14 points in his 14 minutes on the court. Uh, but the standout Celtic from this game, uh, so kind of kind of the silver lining here in my mind, was Gordon Hayward. 19 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists, all coming off the bench. So a guy we've been looking for a long time to have some big games, and you know he wasn't done contributing for the week, as we'll get into going forward. But uh, really encouraging to see him kind of start to break out here. And James, if you want to talk about kind of the foul trouble the Celtics got into, that, that you know, could could be contributing to this this very uh, disappointing loss. Yeah. So the Clippers actually had forty attempts from the three free throw line on Saturday, off of twenty nine Celtics fouls, and we'll talk about later with uh, yesterday night's game against the Pistons. Once again, the Celtics have had a lot of trouble recently with fouls and. I've used this analogy before, but they, they call it the charity stripe because it's almost free points for anyone but Andre Drummond. Um, and, you know, there are 40 chances to just rack up points against this Celtics team. So something that the Celtics really need to clean up and uh, just, you know, need to get that number way down. Yeah, I believe this was actually... Tatum's first ever time fouling out of a game. He fouled out with 20 seconds left or something in the game, uh, which, you know, it, it wasn't, I don't think they were fouling to, you know, get to the free throw line to, you know, try to extend the game. I think my guess is that was out of frustration and that sort of thing. Cause I didn't actually get to watch the end of the game. I think I watched the first three quarters and then I had to step away. And before we transition to what was a very, you know, bounce back game versus Philadelphia, we do have to talk about some of the comments that uh, came out after this disappointing loss and obviously didn't like to see it. I don't think it's as big a deal now that the Celtics have, you know, kind of bounced back from it. But Marcus Morris, after the game, was quoted saying something along the lines of, well, I have the exact quote here. I watch all these other teams in the league, guys up on the bench, up on the court. They're doing stuff that looks like they're enjoying their teammates' success. They're enjoying everything, and they're playing together. And when I look at us, I just see a bunch of individuals, you know. So that was the exact quote from him uh, saying, basically, the Celtics need to play this team ball. And there was another quote in here uh, in the interview that basically along the lines of, you know, it hasn't been fun in a long time type of thing, which – you know, after such a disappointing loss and then to like wake up the next morning to these comments, really disheartening. I think all that kind of got wiped clean versus the Philadelphia game. And we can get more into this now because, you know, we've talked about the media attention around the Celtics and everything. And it's been concerning for, you know, the past couple weeks, you know, a couple months even here. But to me, it seems like all these negative comments and everything they come after these tough losses and granted we shouldn't be losing games in the way that we lost to the clippers but it kind of seems to all get like wiped away when we get that next win so i don't think it's as big a deal as you know some people make it out to be uh what are your thoughts on this either this comment past comments just really anything it just seems like we can't escape this like we'll go on a good stretch everyone looks good everyone looks like they're playing well and then, you know, a loss that maybe we shouldn't have, you know, like in this case, blowing a 28-point lead 
Um, and then just something comes out and makes everyone think, oh, God, is, ev- is everything falling apart in Boston again? And that's a, that's a very common, common theme. But I'm with you on this one where it seems like the next time, you know, they play a solid game of basketball, it kind of gets swept under the rug. It concerns me because there's been comments about, you know, guys like Kyrie, Morris now, and it makes me wonder what's going to happen at the end of the season if they truly, you know, want to go somewhere else because that's going to be where people are having more fun or whatever. Um, Or, you know, Kyrie doesn't owe the Celtics anything. Whatever it ends up being, uh, I hope these guys come back at the end of the season. And, And maybe I'm, once again, blowing this out of proportion, but it seems like we can't go that long without... You know, some comment coming out that makes us all worry for a little bit, but then it kind of all settles down, you know, once the team plays a good game of basketball. So I'm hoping that we can go, you know, our next couple weeks without anything more coming out, but I guess it just kind of depends on the team's performance. Yeah, I mean, they're on the all-star break now, so we probably won't hear anything too serious for at least the next week. But I want to I stick with your the fun comment he made because – just three days later on Tuesday night when we beat Philadelphia in what was a very close game down to the wire and you know, just a great overall team win, I have another quote from Morris here. I found this interesting because he said, this was one of the better games. Not even that we won, man. It's the intensity everyone played with and the force everyone played with. We just let it go. Everyone played and it was fun. So just nice after saying you know, it hasn't been fun in a long time, here, Morris comes out and says, you know, they had a fun game. And this is another reason that leads me to believe that kind of, you know, everything gets wiped clean after the disappointing loss, you know, on our next kind of big win. Uh, and James, you can kind of take us through the, the numbers from this game because we had some, some very good performances from multiple Celtics. Yeah, and real quick, I just want to add, it, it also makes me kind of seem that Morris realizes like the intensity that people took his last statement with basically re-referencing what he knows everyone was caught up on him saying it wasn't fun by adding it was very fun at the end so i think it kind of it's him acknowledging too that maybe that ended up being more intense than he intended it to be but moving on you know points leaders hayward again leading the points uh leading the charge with 26 points four rebounds three assists again coming off the bench even in the absence of Kyrie. Horford with 23, Tatum with 20, and 10 rebounds. So just a really, really great all-around team effort. Guys like Horford, you know, really stepping up and scoring a lot compared to his average. Tatum, you know, just having another great game with 20 and 10 with the double-double there. Uh, And Hayward with 26, absolutely doing insane. I think he tied his career high for most three-pointers made in that game. You can correct me if I'm wrong there. I believe that was uh, on Tuesday against Philadelphia, but... You know, Hayward really looking to come into his element here, heading into, you know, the kind of like two-thirds, three-quarters mark of the season. So, I mean, a great time for a guy like him to kind of heat up and really, really uh, step into his element here. Yeah, and I mean, just going off the Hayward thing, I think we can kind of transition to the next game now because last night, Wednesday, when we're recording this, uh, they had the 118-110 to win against the Pistons. And for a good majority of the game, the Celtics... You know, looked great. Again, Hayward, uh, 18 points, five rebounds, and eight assists. So another big game from him. He actually got the start in this game. And right off the bat, he uh, he scored four quick points in the first two minutes off some really great driving plays to the basket. So it was very encouraging. Um, 
you know, for him to get the start one after these two big games and then to see him attack and, you know, just keep that high intensity pressure up. Tatum actually led the team in points with 19 this game. Uh, he added four rebounds and four assists. But the big game came from Horford, who had posted 17 points, 14 rebounds, and eight assists. So just two assists off a triple double there for the Celtics big man. And, you know, I think it, I think it's a little disappointing we have to go on the all-star break now because these two big team wins against, you know, uh, Detroit and Philadelphia, both who are looking to, you know, be in the playoffs at the end of the year. I think it's a little disappointing that we have to, you know, take a full week now and cool down. It'll be great for everyone's health. Guys like Kyrie, uh, you know, Rozier and a couple other guys were sick. Uh, Kyrie with the knee thing. So, you know, good to get back to, you know, just recharge, get back to 100%. But, you know, kind of in a way want to keep this momentum going. Yeah, and was a little bit of a disappointment in the fourth quarter here. Uh, as the Celtics, once again, led by as much as 28 in the fourth. And I remember I texted you and said, you know, this game's on ice, up by 30 in the fourth. You know, there's no way. And then the Pistons proceeded to go on a 20-2 to two run. And, you know, they never got it really close enough to, you know, retake the game. But I was having flashbacks to Saturday's game, you know, blowing the 28-point lead to the Clippers. And I was thinking, this can't happen again right before the All-Star break. Celtics managed to hang on and kind of, after that run, put the game back in their control, taking time with the ball, getting it down the court, playing smart, taking smart shots. But, you know, a lot of times you can't let a 20-2 run happen in the fourth quarter and expect to walk away with a win. So something the Celtics definitely need to work on because uh, they've had a couple of these times where they've been up by what seems like a very comfortable lead and has quickly turned around and either been a close game or ended up being a really, really tough loss. And also, really quick, I know I mentioned it earlier, but the Celtics were plagued by the number of fouls in this game. And uh, as an, one of the announcers made it very evident, a lot of the calls were kind of garbage. Uh, there were a couple where I think Tice ended up with a technical. Uh, Horford ended up with like a flagrant for just things that just should not have been called nearly as severely as they were. Uh, but it seemed like every time, you know, one of the Celtics put their arms at the block a shot, it was a foul. And I don't know, this wasn't the uh, final uh, ratio for free throws, but at one point in the fourth, it was something like 31 free throws taken by the Pistons to the Celtics 7. That was obviously before the, the Pistons began, you know, uh, intentional fouling and all that stuff. So those numbers probably evened out a little bit more, but... Another time where the Celtics fouls kind of getting them into trouble and in, in allowing a lot of free points uh, for the other team. Yeah, I mean, it's a good thing they hung on to win this game. Otherwise, I think we probably would have seen a repeat, at least in the media sense, that we did from the Clippers game and would have been really tough going into the All-Star break, you know, with everyone going their separate ways for a week or whatever. Uh, but, you know, they, they hung on maybe winning by as much as they should have but the important thing is you know there was a w uh, there was a w out of the night so going into the all-star break the celtics actually only have 24 games left in the season something that that shocked me when i was going through and looking at their and they're currently tied for fourth place they're tied with philadelphia who like us like we mentioned you know they beat the other night and they are sitting six and a half games back from first which is 
right now held by Milwaukee. And, you know, the Raptors are right up there sitting one game back from Milwaukee themselves. So, you know, going into the All-Star break, we'll probably ask the same question in a couple weeks' time, if I had to guess. But, you know, let's ask the big questions here, James. And I think we're probably both going to have similar answers to this first one. And the first one is, you know, is a first place finish for the Celtics in the Eastern Conference, is that unreasonable to think of? Um, I think with just the sheer number of games left and the way Milwaukee and Toronto are playing basketball right now, it's probably highly unlikely that we're going to see a first place finish. I know that, you know, entering the season, it was an obvious pick for the Celtics to be in first place, you know, not getting after the start they wanted to, whatever it ends up being, we've talked about it all. But uh, I would say, yeah, it's pretty pretty unreasonable maybe it can happen but i'd say just you know sitting six and a half games back that's a lot of ground to make up on a team that is playing you know exceptionally well and uh, i'm just looking at the standings here and if you look at it what i'm really noticing is as you go down just the road performance by some of these teams milwaukee is is 29 on the road this season toronto's 19 and 11 the Pacers 16 and 12, but then you get to the Celtics, the 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, they're 14 and 13 for the Celtics, 14 and 14 for the 76ers, 13 and 16 for the Nets. So that's clearly where the Celtics are really going to have to step up now late in the season is getting road wins. They're doing just fine at home, but they really need to be getting those tough games on the road uh, is where it's really going to matter, in my opinion, down the stretch. Yeah, and I'm I'm right there with you. I think you know, it's certainly possible if we come out of the All-Star break and, you know, play at the level, you know, I think everyone's been talking about is is potentially there for the rest of the season. But with Milwaukee and Toronto playing the way they are, I mean, they'd have to go through, you know, a slump of, you know, basically a full week of pretty bad games for this to, for this to be even close. And with 24 games left, I just don't know if it's enough time to you know, make up everything. That being said, the Pacers are only one game ahead of us. So I think, you know, a third place spot or even a second place spot might not be terribly unreasonable. But but that first place finish is definitely uh, going to take a lot of, you know, the Celtics are going to have to grind it out. And, you know, we need some, we need some of those top teams, Milwaukee and Toronto, to drop a couple. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I'm, I was going to say, we could probably make a push for third. I'd say, you know, reasonably speaking, best case scenario is we get we end up in second place uh, entering the playoffs. But I just I don't think that the first place finish that we all kind of expected and uh, thought was going to be just in the you know in our pocket from day one uh, is going to be what we end up with. But I still think there is the potential that the Celtics do move up a couple of spots. I know that we have at least one game coming up against the Pacers before the end of the season. I'm not sure if we have any more contests against the Bucks or Raptors. We do, actually. The Bucks we play uh, a week from today, right after the All-Star break. Our first opponent back is the Bucks in and, Milwaukee, so that's going to be a huge looking, game. And the 26th, we're playing in Toronto. So f- at least one contest against each of these teams. So uh it'll I mean it'll be good. It'll be a lot of good basketball and it's going to it's going to come down the stretch quick. So yeah, I think one more with each of these teams and then we have other teams. I think we play a 
Philadelphia at least once more as well. So a lot of a lot of guys or a lot of teams uh, in our conference that are playing in. Uh, it'll it'll be interesting because I think there is the possibility to move up and there's also the possibility of of a slide, which I'm really hoping doesn't happen. But you know, anything's possible, I guess. Yeah, I know we we mentioned that we're you know one game back from from the Pacers. Uh, I don't know if a slide is really going to happen because you know we're tied with the Philadelphia 76ers, so we're occupying four, they're occupying five. The next team down is the Brooklyn Nets, and you know they're they're good. What is that? Eight eight and a half games back or seven and a half games back from us. So I don't see us sliding that much. I think you're right. We could we could end up in that fourth spot or that fifth spot rather, but I don't think anything lower than that is you know going to happen just based on. Uh, how other teams are playing and you know how we've played against you know the middle of the pack teams so we're looking we're looking the Celtics are going to finish somewhere between two and five here probably you know if we're lucky two and if things go not so great looking at that five spot but let's kind of talk about the all-star break now because you know we got Kyrie maybe he'll play in the all-star game I'm interested to see uh, what his decision there will be with the knee uh, I don't know how that's going to work. That's this weekend, I believe. And then Tatum is actually participating in the Skills Challenge, and he will also play in the Rising Stars game. And maybe let's talk about the Skills Challenge first. We can go through uh, the contestants as well as you know the three-point contest and the dunk contest. Now, to me, you know the All-Star break is just... It kind of sucks because it's just a week without basketball. And you know the All-Star game really not meaning much... It can be fun to watch the dunk contest or the three-point contest, but really, to me, it's just like a week without real NBA basketball, which is unfortunate. Uh, that being said, kind of the news for the three-point contest, at least, is you know the Curry brothers will face off with Steph and Seth Curry, uh, you know, kind of being the people or the the players that people are going to be watching. Other three-point contestants include Devin Booker, Danny Green, Joe Harris, Buddy Heald. Damian Lillard, Chris Middleton, Dirk Nowitzki, and Kemba Walker. So, you know, Kemba on his home home court there. At least I think they do the three-point contest in the same building. Uh, James, predictions there, just on, on the fly type of thing? Um, I mean, I feel like most likely one of the Curry brothers taken at home. But, I mean, that being said, all of these guys are clearly in this because they're such good three-point shooters. Dirk Nowitzki, kind of, I know that was a thing uh, of him being in here, and I don't know if that's like a continuation of him just being invited. He's just being invited to everything. Because he's old or because he's actually really good at three-point shooting? <laughs> because he's old. Uh, so I'll move on to the slam dunk contest, the, the other thing that we don't actually have anyone from our team participating in, uh, and that being between Miles Bridges uh, from the Hornets, John's, uh, John Collins, I'm probably going to say this wrong, but Hamadou Diallo from OKC and my personal pick here, Dennis Smith Jr. Uh, I believe he was in it last year too, was he not? No, I don't remember. I Wait, think you on. and I it actually, was, we watched it the was Mitchell. Last yeah, I think it was Mitchell, Dennis Smith, and someone else. It was, uh, who was the guy, who was the young guy in the Cavs? His dad was there. Oh, um, I think oh, LeBron traded him. <laughs> I think LeBron probably did trade him. Oh, what was his name? I know. Larry Nance. Larry, Larry Nance, Nance Jr. 
Yeah, so this, I mean, not not a very interesting lineup to me. I really haven't heard of John Collins or Hamadou Diallo. Uh, so it'll be, I guess, maybe interesting to see what they pull off. Uh, my pick would probably be Miles Bridges just because I feel like he's the one I've heard the most about. So, you know, no big names there, which is kind of unfortunate. But let's get into the skills challenge where we actually have someone we care about. Uh, the skills challenge will uh, be participated in by the likes of Mike Connolly, uh, Luka Doncic, De'Aaron Fox, Nikola Jokic, Kyle Kuzma, our very own Jason Tatum, uh, Nikolai Vucevic and Trey Young. So, you know, the biggest names here, I think, in the skills challenge, which is interesting. And obviously, I want Tatum to win, but it'll be interesting how everyone performs. Yeah, and I honestly think a lot of really young guys here. You think of De'Aaron Fox, uh, I mean, Luka Doncic being considered a rookie, but I mean, anyone's a rookie nowadays. Uh, Trey Young, Kyle Kuzma, so a lot of good young guys to watch out for. De'Aaron Fox, one of the fastest players in the NBA. Luka Doncic, uh, ESPN's poster boy for the entire NBA itself. So, I mean, it'll be good. Obviously, well, for this year at least. Obviously, the next like, seven years, it'll be Zion. Rooting for Tatum. Um, but But that's just me. Then, we can kind of get into the Rising Stars game now yeah, if you Rising want. Stars. I mean, the whole, like I said, the whole R-Star weekend is kind of overhyped in my mind. I think you'd probably agree with me. Like, are you going to actually watch the All-Star game? I might watch the All-Star. I'm more inclined to watch this All-Star game than I am to watch the Pro Bowl. So there's that. True. We got to see if LeBron uh, tampers anymore. Yeah, but we will move forward into, I'll read off the Team U.S. roster for the Rising Stars game. Uh, and a lot of guys we've you know already talked about for different things uh, already in being involved in the uh, All-Star, All-Star Week festivities. So Jared Allen, Marvin Bagley, Lonzo Ball, John Collins, De'Aaron Fox, Jaron Jackson Jr., Kevin Knox, Kyle Kuzma, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, and Trey Young making up Team USA. If you want to take on Team World. Yep, Team World will be uh, fronted by OG Anube, DeAndre Ayton, pardon me, Bogdan Bog... Oh my goodness, I butchered that. Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Luka Doncic... Oh boy, I got all the tough ones. (laughs) Shai Gilgius Alexander... Rodion's Kurox. Oh my goodness, James. Did you do this on purpose? No, but I'll try to read them. <laughs> uh, Lori Markinen, Josh Akchi. Ak- I can't pronounce that. Akogi. Uh, Akogi. I don't really know if that's CD right. CD Osman but... and our per- my personal favorite, Ben Simmons, just because he was postered twice this No, no, week. He was, he's Once a rookie, by. though. Impressive to see a rookie competing in Impressive. Team World. Impressive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he got postered twice this week, in case you didn't see by Jason Tatum, and actually uh, Kevin Knox, I believe it was. I knew it was for someone from the Knicks, but the name was failing me. So, you know, if we're lucky, maybe he'll get posted again in this game. Yeah, but we, uh, we, we've been talking about the Celtics forever. Yeah, um, we were going to talk about the snubs here, but like you said, we've been talking about the Celtics forever. Uh, I don't really know any of these people, so I don't have any comments there. Um, quickly, like I said, mentioned before, the week ahead, it's the All-Star break, and the Celtics will play their next game. Next Thursday, the 21st, 
um, you know, on the road at Milwaukee. So that'll be a, uh, a really good test to see, you know, how well rested everyone is coming off the All-Star break and, you know, see if they're ready to make that final push at the end of the year. But, James, any closing comments uh, before we kick it to the other half of the TD Garden? I don't think so. We will transition over, though, to the Boston Bruins. And once again, I will run through a recap of all the games. And then once again, if we want to talk about them more in depth, we can feel free to. But Saturday, the ninth versus LA Kings, a 5-4 win in overtime. Bergeron scoring the game-winning overtime goal along with having two assists. McAvoy, Danton Heinen, Marshawn and Krejci all scored once. Uh, Sunday, you know, back-to-back games, another OT game. Uh, two to one win. Marshawn nets a game winner with less than one minute left in OT against the Avalanche. Tuesday against the Blackhawks, a six to three win. Bruins ex- uh, ended Chicago's seven game win streak and extended a seven game streak of their own, uh, scoring a point in each of their last seven games. Yeah, I think actually they've only lost once in the last seven games, and it was last week in a shootout. I forget to which team. But, you know, this, the Bruins on a tear right now. And I don't know if we need to break down the games individually because we kind of have some bigger news here. Uh, David Postronok actually, um, within the last couple of days, has, you know, it's come out that he's going he's gonna to miss at least two weeks with a thumb injury. He was actually at a, uh, a sponsorship dinner or a charity dinner or some sort of event, and he tripped in. I don't know how he fell, but I believe he tore something in his thumb or tweaked his thumb in a way that he even uh, had a procedure done on it. Uh, maybe on the 11th or 12th or something like that. That's when the story is from. And he's going to be, you know, gone the next two weeks. And to me, this is this is critical for the Bruins. You know, you have their their leading scorer. He's posted 31 goals and 35, 35 assists this season. Just been on an absolute tear. So to lose him for the next two weeks, especially when, you know, the Bruins making a playoff push of their own. Um, and coming up, they have a five-game five game road um Five games on the road, pardon me. And, you know, just the, the timing of this is unfortunate. You know, the Bruins having finally been at full strength for a, a good month here. You know, we had all those injuries uh, going into, you know, around the holiday season at the end of the t- December. So, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on this, James? And how does this affect the the Bruins going forward? I mean, you know my reaction. I, I read, uh, you posted the link in here. And I read that literally he fell at a sponsorship dinner. And I was just like, of course, like this is just the most random thing that would happen. The Bruins just can't seem to catch a break this season. But obviously a really critical guy, um, you know, to have on this team, especially what he's contributing this year. So it's going to be interesting moving forward. And just like the, you know, the Celtics play with Ky- without Kyrie sometimes with the Alter Stars. The Bruins are going to have to do the same thing. You know, they're going to have to have other guys stepping up. And obviously we have guys like, you know, Bergeron, McAvoy, all these other guys who are clearly capable uh, of putting in the work. But, you know, a big guy, we're going to miss him for the at least two weeks that he's out. Hopefully he's back with a speedy recovery. Uh, because like you said, this is real, really the time to make a playoff push. And with five games on the road coming up, you got to be playing your best hockey at this point in the season uh, and trying to cement yourself in the best possible position moving into, you know, the playoffs. So hopefully uh, this isn't too much of a setback and Pasternak is back quickly 
uh, and able to continue, you know, contributing the team at the level that he's done this year. Yeah, and I mean, we're talking he's going to miss, you know, a third of what's left of the season, at least it's sounding like with six weeks of regular season hockey left. Uh, I mentioned last week, and I'll probably keep mentioning it just to update people, the Bruins will play their last regular season game on April 6th. So that's, you know, six or seven weeks, and, you know, Postnarok's out what sounds like at least two. You know, there's always that chance he has a speedy recovery, like you said, and comes back early. But uh, what seems to me the theme here is he's going to be out probably longer than two weeks, even if it's two and a half, three weeks, um, which, you know, like, like I said, that's a third of what's left or half of what's left of their season. And so continuing on here, I think the five games on the road that this, the Bruins have now could be, could be very tough for them. Yeah, and if we want to quickly talk about what those games are, so a busy week for the Bruins this week. You know, Friday at Anaheim against the Ducks, Saturday uh, in L.A. against the Kings, Monday at the San Jose Sharks, and then Wednesday at the Vegas Golden Knights. So a big uh, California road trip for uh, for these Celtics and then to Vegas, I just realized. But, you know, big West Coast road trip coming up. And once again, like you said, it's going to be – this is going to be a really, really big test for the Bruins, playing without one of their top guys, which they've done it before this season. They've proved it doesn't let them, it doesn't set them back that much. They're going to need to keep playing their top tier hockey and really working on cementing themselves in the best possible position as we, you know, get very, very close to the playoffs now, it seems. Yeah, and I mean, they're sitting right there in fourth place. They're actually tied with the Islanders above them uh, at 72 points. Tampa Bay really still leading the charge of the Eastern Conference. I can't see that that number one spot getting touched. But, you know, Toronto sitting in second place, just a point above us. And it might sound funny, but, you know, these top four teams have begun to pull away, kind of. There is only a three-point gap between Boston and the next person. But, you know, that's the biggest it's been in weeks. It's always been, you know, one game separating what seems like the top, you know, numbers two through six. And there's finally, like, a cushion there. So, like you said, you know, we're making this playoff push. And we're going to have to do it without our leading scorer. And this means, you know, Marshawn's got to step, Bergeron's got to step up, Char's got to step up. All the young guys especially have to step up. So, you know, this could be one of those times where we find kind of like a hidden gem among the young talent. But it could also be one of those times where, you know, we go one and four on this road trip, which would be terrible to see. But it's completely possible competing against some of some of the top teams in in the West there. I guess not Anaheim or the Kings, but, you know, we have a San Jose game and a Vegas game, both sitting at top five in the Western Conference. And James, if you just want to run down there real quick. Yeah, uh, again, pretty tight race still in the Western Conference. This one I'd say a little bit closer than the East is, but Winnipeg uh, sitting in first at 75 points, tied for first with 75 as well as San Jose Sharks. Uh, just below that in third with 74, the Calgary Flames. And then fourth Nashville and fifth Vegas. So I mean, it's is a close race. Uh, the top four kind of pulling away a little bit more, like we've talked about, also in the East. So starting to cement themselves a little bit more uh, and kind of pull away. But like you said, and we've said it all season long, a couple of games changes everything, except probably for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay's really done a good job pulling away and setting themselves up really, really well. Uh, heading towards the playoffs but 
once again, we just need to stay uh, playing playing good hockey and really just working on getting wins, getting points, and staying. I think if we can stay with that, you know, top top five to top three chunk and just move up with them and, you know, not dropping too many games, uh, getting, you know, getting the wins that you're supposed to get and then getting the tough wins against tough teams. You're going to have to do them both, but uh, when it comes down to it, that's what it's going to take uh, to really have a, a good position in the playoffs. Yeah, and it, it kind of sucks because, you know, the West Coast road trip means some later games on TV, at least for us to watch, which is always tough. Uh, that prime time 7 to 8, it's going to be more like 9 to 10 if I had to guess. But some very, I think a very decisive week coming up here. And it's going to be interesting to see who kind of steps up for the Bruins. Um, you can expect from us in the next couple of weeks, we'll do like a full playoff breakdown as we get uh, close and things become a little more clear. But that wraps up the Bruins segment. And we're going to get into what has probably been our first short Patriots segment since we started this podcast, I think. I'd say so. We just we always find stuff to talk about for the Patriots. And uh, even so, we still have a couple of things, and we'll try to keep it quick because um, really there's only so much we can talk about with this with this Patriots team obviously not playing for another you know large span of weeks and months without football, which is very, very sad. But first thing we're going to do is talk about some free agents this offseason. And then if we want to go through and kind of put in our two cents on whether or not we think they are staying in New England. So I have that list and I'll be reading from that now. So starting it off, we'll go with some of the, you know, unrestricted free agents. So we have Jeremy Hill, uh, who went down with an injury in the season opener. So I don't know what your takes are on him, but if, if you'd like to offer anything, we can go through these quickly. Uh, yeah, since he tore his ACL in the season opener, I barely, barely knew the name. Uh, he was, he was kind of a big deal in, in the beginning of the year, right? The talk, if I'm correct, going into the season. Yeah, he was, he was a big name coming from the Bengals. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be, uh, something very exciting to see him return for, you know, uh, another, another one or two years, but with, with some of the running backs coming out, um, that kind of sh- um, shined, I guess, this year, and especially in the playoffs. You know, Sony Michelle mainly. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of if he didn't resign just because we kind of found another guy within the organization. Yeah, and I was I was gonna exactly say that with with Sony Michelle really showing that he is deserving of a spot in that running back position. I really don't expect to see Jeremy Hill back uh, with the depth we already have at running back. You know, Sony Michelle, James White, Rex Burkhead. I think we got it pretty well set. Another bigger name on the offense, though, Chris Hogan, also a unrestricted free agent this offseason. Yeah, I know there's a lot of names in the interest of time. We kind of want to group uh, these positions together because there are three wide receivers. You know, none of our main guys, obviously, like Edelman being not in this conversation, but we got Chris Hogan, Philip Dorsett, and Cordero Patterson here as the wide receivers that are going to be unrestricted free agents. Uh, Chris Hogan, a guy who you know we really didn't hear much of at the end of the year, but a, a guy I personally like, and you know after after Edelman, he seems to be 
kind of like the Brady type of receiver, if you will. He's going to kind of need to, I mean, if he does come back, he'll definitely need to do some, some proving of his ability, I think, early in the year, or else we could see him go. Um, Dorsett and Patterson, kind of guys that weren't as big a name, I think, going into the season, but but really stepped up. And, you know, I mean, Brady loves to share the ball. That's well, one of the best characteristics about him, in my mind, I think, in terms of his effectiveness. But, you know, two guys he kind of, you know, made relevant in, in a way. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we got one and not the other type of situation there with Dorsett and Patterson. Yeah, and my my take on this was going to be, if if anyone, I'd say uh, Chris Hogan and Cordero Patterson, probably most likely to return, just because Cordero Patterson, in my mind, filled a really cool role of, you know, being a quick receiver, a big special teamer, and then also someone that we saw both out of, directly out of the backfield, but also with a lot of other running plays, um, you know, sweep plays, that kind of stuff that you know, the Patriots love the, with their trickery. So if anyone's going to walk here, I'd say it's Philip Dorsett. Moving on, we got a couple of guys that I'll just read off really quickly. Uh, I guess less exciting positions to talk about, but still very, very important people on the team. Trent Brown, offensive tackle. Uh, Adrian Waddle, offensive tackle. Ulrich John, which I didn't even know uh, he was on this team, to be completely honest. Uh, and then Brian Schwanke, who we just actually re-signed, so... He will be in New England for 2019. But, you know, Trent Brown and Waddle, big guys that, uh, you know, we would like to see returning. Adrian Waddle kind of taking a back seat. Um, but, you know, a guy with a lot of game experience. And then Trent Brown, always my favorite guy to look for in the huddle because he's just so much taller and bigger than everyone else around him. Uh, you know, feeling a really big role with Nate Solder being gone uh, and just doing a great job. And proving in the last, I'd say especially in the playoffs, that they truly can protect Brady really, really well. Yeah, and Trent Brown's kind of the guy that sticks out to me here, mostly because he, you know, he played in all the games, and like you said, he was, uh, you know, a dominant offensive lineman uh, come come the postseason. Adrian Waddle and Ulrich John, uh, really, well, Ulrich John seeing no no time uh, due to an injury. Uh, he received back in September. Adrian Waddle only playing a couple games throughout the season. So, you know, Trent Brown's the name that sticks out there. Uh, Brian Schwenke, uh, he was, you know, he, he actually got released at one point and then he was back, uh, according to this article. Uh, very big guy, but again, a guy who really didn't play that much. So, you know, like you said, Trent Brown, kind of the name that sticks out there. Yeah, and then we'll move on to the defense. Uh, big names like Trey Flowers. Uh, Malcolm Brown, and then some guys we picked up from the Browns. Uh, Danny Shelton, Jason McCourty, uh, Eric Rowe, and then John Simon, who's another guy we picked up midseason. So of these guys, I'd love to see Trey Flowers return. Love to see Malcolm Brown return. And then Jason McCourty, I think if we could get him back for another year. We have some really great uh, defensive backs, cornerback safeties on this team, but I'd love to see him come back. And I really, it's such an awesome dynamic between him and his twin brother, uh, Devin McCourty also being on the team. Yeah, and I mean, there, wa- there was some speculation that the McCourty brothers could, you know, this could be their last year or whatever. We'll just have to wait and see type of thing. Um, you know, they're enjoying their offseason now and, you know, basking in the glory of the Lombardi Trophy. Um, but yeah, you pretty much pinpointed the guys I was going to talk about. And, 
you know, it almost it's it almost seems like it doesn't matter who we have on the team. You know, Belichick does such a great job of you know grooming these essentially no name players. It sounds bad to say, but that's that's really what they are at the beginning of the year, and then at the end of the year, these players whose names you're never going to forget, type of thing. And I mean, he proved with the defense once again this year. He he knows what he's doing. So nice to get the veteran guys back and those guys that really contributed this year. But I don't think in the biggest, I don't think it's the biggest deal uh, come the beginning of next year because you know whatever we got, you know they're going to be a you know a Super Bowl contender because they're the Patriots. Yeah, and we'll finish it off with some special teamers. Two big names here, actually, Goskowski and Ryan Allen. Uh, being free agents this year as well as albert mcclellan who had some big punt blocks this year and uh and then another guy that probably a lot of people haven't heard of raymond humber on special teams uh and recovered a blocked punt and just kind of was there on special teams not a massive standout player but once again i'd love to see goskowski and ryan allen come back we i know that there's been some iffy moments with goskowski but he's a he's overall a very consistent kicker uh, and Ryan Allen, a great punter to have. So I'd love to see those two return. I don't know if you got any any takes there. Yeah, I mean, you say Gostowski being, you know, somewhat inconsistent sometimes, but th- the reality is, um, you know, according to this article here, he was he was perfect, 21 for 21 inside 40 yards this year. So you only really remember the big ones that he's missed type of thing. You know, the... Uh, he missed one in the Super Bowl, if I'm correct. Yep, Tony jinxed it. Yep, yep, that's right. So you only kind of remember those. And, you know, he only missed one extra point this year out of 50. So uh, a guy I would obviously love to see back. And, and you know, Ryan Allen, a punter, punting probably a position people don't really think that much about. But, you know, again, here in the article it says he averaged 51 yards per punt or 51 geez i can't read 45 yards per punt pardon me um his highest since 2015 so uh two guys i'd like to see back uh the other two you mentioned i hadn't really heard much of uh you know albert mcclennan here seems like he contributed a little bit more on special teams so but but the kickers in my mind guys i you know are priority there yeah, and then we have two restricted free agents, uh, Josh Gordon, which that's a whole nother topic, whether he even comes back, uh, but Josh Gordon, a restricted free agent, and then as well as Jonathan Jones, so I don't even know what the deal with Josh Gordon is, we can leave that for another time, because we'll have plenty of weeks to speculate on a million different things, but Jonathan Jones, once again, another guy who really contributed, um, on the defense with 56 tackles, one and a half sacks, and three interceptions. So, you know, just another person we have back there in those cornerback safety positions that are playing outstanding football and really, really had a good year. And we've had a great lineup of uh, the last couple of years. And I actually am going to say something about Josh Gordon here just because I want to get it out there and, you know, prove I've said it before anything happens. Uh, I don't see him coming back, mostly because... You know, it seems like, you know, Belichick is very, you know, no BS guy. And yes, he did uh, contribute in a big way this year uh, in the games that he did participate in. But I don't think Belichick is going to take kindly to, you know, kind of the allegations against him and then him just up and leaving basically uh, in the middle of the season. And it it would be surprising to me if he was, you know, there was a place for him on this team uh, come the beginning of next year. 
Yeah, and I think just as history too. I know it, it's obviously a very sad uh, career in the NFL, just with the amount of you know, suspensions and the issues that he's dealt with. But he just hasn't proved to be trustworthy, in my opinion. About is what that really comes down to. So I'm right there with you. With I think he has a shot at returning to the league, but I'm not 100 percent sure if that's going to be with the Patriots. Yeah, and that's I think that's pretty much all we're going to talk about this week. We kind of just took a break basically from the Patriots um, with them taking up a majority of the show in the past weeks. You know, we got into uh, a little bit more of the Celtics, and with the Red Sox returning this week, we got into more of that. I would expect, you know, some sort of look back at the season coming soon in the end, or, you know, maybe our personal awards for, you know, players on the team. That being said, uh, James, we can kind of gear this towards, we have our hot takes we do at the end, but uh, here it seems you have one for, you know, just football related. So if you want to get into that a little bit, and I think, I think you have to apologize to the listeners if I'm correct here. I do. I didn't think, you know, we throw around hot takes out here on the show. We th- we throw some harsh takes, and uh, I forget what week it was. I think it was maybe a probably, week or two. Probably going into the playoffs. A week right or two before, before we played uh, Los Angeles Chargers. I said that this was not the Patriots' year. They just didn't have it. It wasn't coming together, which I followed with, if anyone's going to win it, it's the Chargers, which we clearly proved it wasn't going to be the Chargers. Nor was it going to be the Chiefs, nor was it going to be the Rams, and the Patriots ended up winning it all, and I'm as happy as everyone else about that Super Bowl win, and I need to apologize for saying and losing a little bit of my faith there for a second in the Patriots, thinking that uh, they couldn't pull it off. I kind of forgot to uh, step back, look at what this team's done, and realize that they, they have a shot every year. They have what it takes, they have the skill, they have the talent, they have the experience. Uh, to be a contender every single year. And as much as everyone hates it, you know, the greatest dynasty in football right here. And I just wanted to get that out there that I, I accept, you know, my uh, my inaccurate claims about this Patriots team. And I, I did want to address it really quickly before we, you know, ended the show. Yeah, and just so my conscience is clear as well, I probably said something along the same lines. So I take that back, obviously. Patriots, a team that is going to be in the Super Bowl talks for, you know, probably every year uh, in the coming years. That being said, James, I did give you the option before the show when I saw that to, you know, play the reverse psychology card and call that, oh, I only said that so they would do better. But no, he he manned up. He apologized. Our consciences are clear. And uh, number seven next year. I mean, there's a chance I would I would like to see Brady and Belichick end it by uh cap you know topping the Steelers as their team is basically just a dumpster fire right now <laughs> Everyone's um, le- and Antonio Brown's leaving Antonio Brown's out Le'Veon's just gonna sit on a bench like in the practice facility for another year and a half Roethlisberger's past his prime by a couple of years anyways so I'm just hoping we can pass the Steelers for rings because that being said there is one more Patriots thing I wanted to talk about I don't know if you saw this on social media uh, the Patriots Instagram account doing, you know, hashtag Tom Tuesday every Tuesday. And I, I didn't confirm this because I didn't go back and look in the comments. 
But another Boston page posted, you know, the hashtag Tom Tuesday from the Patriots. And then Tom Brady responding with, you know, the high five emoji, which shows five fingers. And then the peace sign, which shows two fingers, you know, kind of hitting at that seventh ring. And I just thought that was like, you know, an all time goat move by the goat. I mean, you're not wrong. He's ready for the next one already. I, they're on to on to whoever they play first next year. Yeah, pre the first pre Bills already planning for preseason. He's already planning for preseason. But anyways, that is gonna do it for this show. If you guys did enjoy it, please be sure to leave us a rating. Leave us any kind of feedback you can or would like to leave on the show. Obviously, it helps us out a lot getting it out to other people, as well as you know figuring out what we're doing well, what you guys would like us to improve upon, change, do differently. All that stuff uh, is only possible through your feedback. So do let us know on whatever platform you are on. Uh, any feedback you have for the show is greatly appreciated, as well as any sort of rating. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at Brady Bros Boston, uh, where I attempt to keep you up to date with you know uh, the latest Boston sports news. Any good memes I see on Twitter, I tend to retweet. You know, all pertaining to Boston sports, of course. Uh, most importantly, though, it is the first place uh, we let you know where the podcast is available. So even if you're subscribed or something on, you know, Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, whatever you listen on, it usually takes about 12 to 24 hours for them to give you the notification on your phone that the podcast is available. Uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you will know pretty much 30 seconds, I'd say, after the podcast is uploaded uh, that it is available. So, you know, that's that's the main draw there. And, of course, to stay up to date with everything in Boston sports. Also, it's been really helpful with the last couple of weeks where we've had things come up on, you know, recording days, uploading days, uh, whatever it ends up being and letting you guys know as soon as as we kind of have an idea if the podcast is going to be late on a different day. Obviously, we like to avoid that as much as possible. Uh, we like being consistent and, you know, you guys know when to look for the podcast, but it has been helpful and, you know, just a little updates uh, if you don't see the podcast and you're wondering maybe what's going on. Hopefully, we'll have an answer on Twitter or whatever it ends up being. So, great place to follow us. Just kind of keep up on everything going on. That is going to do it for this week's episode of the Brady Bros. Boston Sports Podcast. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. A lot of exciting stuff coming up soon. You know, playoffs just on the horizon for the Bruins, for the Celtics, and, you know, the start of baseball. We're, we're very, very close to being back in the swing of things. No pun intended. That's it. See ya.